This is Let's Talk Business with your hosts, Mark Ebinger and Heather Bain. Now, here's Mark. Welcome to Let's Talk Business, a show that talks entrepreneurship with some of the best businesses in the San Antonio area. Coming up on the show today, we're going to talk with Keaton Freeberg, a law partner with Texas Suits, who specializes in real estate and business transactions and litigation. Keaton, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited looking, to be here. You're looking sporty. Thank you. I'll yeah. try it. I'm not going to tell anybody that your suit doesn't match your pants. <laughs> no, your jacket doesn't match your pants. <laughs> now everybody knows. <laughs> Might as well just back up. Let yeah. the record reflect that his <laughs> coat does not match his pants. I got ready in the dark. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> I love it. Do you have a disclaimer or anything that you need? Because you're like a full-fledged lawyer. Oh, yeah. Can you move that to the beginning of this? Uh, Maybe. Go ahead and say it, though. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, yeah. Everything that uh, is said in today's podcast is purely informational. It's not legal advice. You know, if you have a situation come up, you should seek the advice of counsel and not rely on information stated in today's podcast. Great off the cuff. Love it. Yeah. You <laughs> actually said ease. that in a very relational way. <laughs> I was trying. Yeah. Good. I was going to say also, um, I, I do not give legal advice. I do have a license here in the state of Texas uh-huh. for real estate. Yeah. So I am not a, um, a lawyer. You need to hire your own lawyer to declare questions, legal questions. And uh, obviously, I uh, my investments that I do are creative. So um, again, hire an attorney or a great agent to walk you through it or a broker to walk you through the uh, the process. We're also going to talk with J. Michael Jeffords, an entrepreneur and real estate investor. J. Michael, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. You bet. In studio with us today is Heather Bame, a certified business coach that works with business owners to gain clarity and achieve their goals. Heather, welcome back to the show. Excited to be here, Mark. And I'm your host, Mark Evinger, the owner of Krukus Marketing Agency, a company that specializes in giving small businesses a competitive edge by hiring administrative and social media experts from the Philippines for as little as 7 bucks an hour. These are the guys and gals that have helped me develop a six-figure company in seven months. So super excited about the leverage that's available there and the ease by which I can get stuff done. Like the legal world of hiring and firing and the whole thing is just, it's not as simple as we'd like it to be, but it's a lot more simple when you're hiring from uh, overseas. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And just on that, Mark, your VAs have been, your, your VA that you helped me acquire has been incredible for me. I know I told you this the other day, but I have another company and um, we just sell products. And so that's what my VA helps me with is push that product um, on social media. And she's doubled my sales already. So it's been super, super fantastic. I love it when the, <clears throat> you know, contract employees will pay for themselves very, very quickly. Oh, yeah. Love oh, yeah, it. and she loves what she's doing, too. She's uh, super excited about it, so it's fun to work with her. Awesome. A quick reminder for our listeners, you can catch video and podcast versions of the show anytime by visiting our website at satalkradio.com. And if you're a business owner in the San Antonio area and would like to have your company featured on the show, or you just want to come have a talk with a cool guy like myself and a cool gal like Heather, um, visit our website at satalkradio.com or call our office at 210-960-8210. That's 210-960-8210. And yes, a VA will answer the phone. But you got to book soon because <laughs> we're booking be... out months in advance now. Are you really? We're fancy yeah. like that, yeah. Ooh. Into September, wow. yeah. yeah. And I'm going to be doubling down on what's going on with uh, my outreach and everything else. I've got some cool ideas of stuff that are coming. So I Great. got recognized the other day because of his VA's outreach. I was at a, a ribbon cutting. And I was talking to the owner about my podcast. He was like, the podcast we already talked about? I was like, maybe. <laughs> and I was like, it's Less Talks Business. And he goes, yep, that was definitely you guys. We're so excited. I was, 
I was recognized ish just by it. the name, but because your VAs reached out. Yeah, yeah, they work hard. That is cool. All right, so uh, I'm real curious. Uh, so we're talking real estate investing on this show. This is about, um, you know, I'm talking, doing some specialty shows and stuff like that to get information and get experts in the field to come and talk about their area that they're passionate about. And let's get that information out and educate the public and have a little bit of fun doing it. So, Keaton, um, you know, obviously you're involved in the law aspect of it. Give us like a quick synopsis of what you're doing in the real estate investment space and then how you and Jay Michael came together. What's the deal there? Sure. Yeah, I think I can answer both questions in one. So interesting transactions is kind of what brought uh, J. Michael and I together. And that's kind of where we've been in the real estate space. And J. Michael can get into that a little bit further. But, um, you know, cr- creative transactions, um, things that uh, basically just aren't so traditional and, and require maybe a little bit of the legal side to help facilitate a deal or push it all the way through is kind of what, what we're doing right now, what, what I've been working on a lot. Um, it could be anything from you know, a, a, a person who can't access their home because they don't have le- a legal right of way or an easement to their property and they just need to refinance it and they need help, you know, showing the bank that, yes, I can actually walk or get to my property because the bank is like, no, you, how do you even get there? I can't, you know, I can't lend on this home oh. if you can't even access it. So I've been helping people in that kind of space and just other deals sort of like that. Yeah, I remember you asking about, you know, if anybody needed help in that space with, you know, easements and, uh, what do they call that with the establishing your property lines? It's so like your survey. Survey. survey or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I thought. So how does a lawyer get involved in the, the survey dispute side of it or figuring that out? What do you do to facilitate that? Just generally. Yeah. Well, what you got to do is you got to at some point you have to have an easement and it's and and it'll end up being recorded. But to get the meets and bounds to to basically tell somebody where the easement is, where, you know, where is the actual place that, that I'm going to now occupy or have the ability to occupy. Um, that's where the surveyor comes in. They'll come out there sure. and they'll stake it and they'll give you the meets and bounds that you put on the easement that you end up, um, you know, having some other, the, the grantor in that case, the individual who's giving somebody else the right to, to walk or drive on a piece a, a strip of property. Um, that's what you'll give to them for them to sign off and say, yep, I'm okay with that. Is that how you get involved is for that, person signing that right yes uh, actually drafting the easements or sometimes if you're if that grantor potential grantor doesn't want to sign it voluntarily then um in the case if it's like an easement by necessity and you do actually have the right to somebody does have the right to use another individual's land to access their own and they don't want to give it up then sometimes you have to go to court over it because the state of texas guarantees a right to an easement, but sometimes there's fighting from the actual person who doesn't want to give it up. It. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we got to also, and then, and then it, well, it gets pretty nitty gritty because it's like, well, okay, fine. You know, they, they do have the right to use this land, but like where and how much. Mm-hmm. And so that's where surveyors come in or we come in. I grew up in a 20 year feud between my mother and our back neighbor because of that exact type of problem. Yeah. The, it was she, rowdy. Her, neighbor, or her family's the Hatfields and McCoys. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just, except no. there was <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I grew up with my mom telling me the lady. It was, this is terrible. Um, but she told me the lady who lived behind us was a witch who ate children. Oh. <laughs> because they <laughs> bought a piece up. of property and they didn't have access to it and they needed an easement. And they started, you know, asking everybody in front of them for the easement property. And it just so happened my mom got the short end of the stick. Uh. And uh, she was really unhappy with that. So, hmm. years. 
right? This ends up on the University of YouTube, and everybody's mm-hmm. like, wait a second, I did the way you said it, dude. That's one of the big things they'll get realtors on, though, is, is practicing law, because if they write anything into those contracts that's not specifically allowed, it's considered practicing law, and they'll get you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's almost safer it. not to have a license. They, it actually is right. safer not to have a license. It's turning into what California turned into, where they... Um, they make it, if you have a license, a real estate license, even though it only takes people, like, I mean, it took me like to pass the stuff two weeks here. Yeah. It took 30 days from start to get my license, you know, finished, signed off by the state. And uh, you're, you're held to a different li- uh, standard. Mm-hmm. And if you make money now in real estate as an agent, you have to um, abide by certain legal, uh, you know, parameters. And it just makes it a lot more difficult. So, yeah. If you're going to do investing, don't necessarily get your license. So how did you guys, you guys ended up just on a real real estate transaction? You go back, were you kid friends like in high school? I mean, what's the deal here? How do you guys know each other? (laughs) Sorry, I just want to know. (laughs) No, that's a good question. Yeah, just some sort of a create, some sort of creative deal that that came up. And um, I think... Maybe you needed some help on You guys hit it off as far as, hey, I like you, you like me, we can make some money together? Yeah, well, just talking yeah. over over some of these transactions and talking over the market and where it's going and just discussing some of the nuances of real estate, I think, is where we kind of... Now it's time to go out and take over. Yeah. Jay, so what what do you bring? I know what Keaton brings to the table. What do you bring <laughs> to the table? Well, um, first, I'll go back to that point. Every... Oh, shoot. I thought I <laughs> put it on silent but every every great investor or real estate um person here in texas or any where in the united states needs a great lawyer to work with 100 percent. and if you're gonna do real estate get a real estate lawyer to work with absolutely that's the first thing i did boots on the ground when i first got here to texas so i i was i was i was my family's from north texas but i was raised in california so when i came back to texas two and a half years ago the very first thing i did was start reaching out for uh, you know legal I think attorneys. you probably learned that in California, right? You're like, oh, and I need an attorney for everything. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so that's the first thing for first and foremost. And second, what I bring to the table, I've been doing real estate. I've been um, either as an investor, as a developer, an agent, or rehabber, whatever you want to call it, for almost 30 years. I'm in my 29th year right now. Um, I started. I was in the military full time, and I uh, my friends were buying cars, and I bought my first house at 19. And then I rehabbed it, and then 18 months or 24 months later, I bought three houses. Dang. And then I just I just started on the investor side. I went backwards. I And then after a while, I said, hey, you know what? I, I might as well. I'm doing this anyways. I'm doing this for investors. I might as well get my license. There you mm-hmm. go. So I got my license, and I was taught by, like, the people, um, you know, the, the old salty dogs, um, the gals and guys that had 150, 200 um, homes in their portfolios and they were just regular mom and pops you know janitors or you know you know they just had the little business and i said how did you do that and they taught me how to do that and basically they're very creative structuring of deals and from there i basically like you can do that yeah and then i just have always used those creative things to ways to uh, build portfolios that led me to be able to travel all over the world you know 79 countries in the past 30 years and so take some time off to learn how to dance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had a, I, it was three months on, three months off for years. That was like just the thing. I love three that. Months. So that is cool. Uh, I've heard the word creative a lot, and I feel like, especially if anybody's listening to this and doesn't have a huge 
amount of research into the real estate world. They hear creative and that goes, what are some examples of creative ways? Because the traditional is you go to the bank, you get pre-approved, you buy the real estate, X, Y, Z. So tell me about the word creative. Uh, yeah. So creatively speaking about creative. The, <laughs> okay. So financing. So usually uh, the ownership of uh, real estates, there's two forms of ownership. There's like the legal person that like lives there. Or it's a landlord, whatever property owner. And then there's the bank side of ownership, right? Mm -hmm. So um, most people have a hard time with the bank side of ownership because they don't have financing. They, you know, maybe they don't have a, a, um, a stable job or they have stable money coming in, but it comes from different sources. So the banks are like, I'm not going to loan this to this yeah. guy. So usually creative to me means the structuring of the financing of the deal because most sellers will sell it to you if you have cash. But mm -hmm. if you don't have cash, how are you going to do it? Well, there's many different ways to, to structure deals. You can do it as an option. If you think that a, a piece of property is getting developed and the city's moving out a certain way, um, you can put an option on land out towards that area and then you don't you don't actually buy the land or the house or the property you actually put an option to buy the property at a future date for a future you know a, agreed on set amount of money and then that way as the development happens out there maybe you bought in when they thought it was worth you know fifty thousand an acre and it goes up to four hundred thousand dollars an acre like in the hill country mm -hmm. and you cash in your option you execute the contract and now you just made maybe on your $50,000 option, made a half a million dollars or a million dollars. That's nice. That's a, that's a creative way to make money, as they say. Oh, developing real estate also. Most people that are buying lots and land, everybody's coming to Texas for land. Most people are looking for an acre, maybe a couple acres. So they're not looking for 40 or 50 acres. So if you want to go out there, put, put a deal together for 40, 50 acres, and then you get a surveyor to go out there, an engineering company, go out there and replat the land into two acre plats and then you basically you may have picked up the 40 acres for you know some or for a hundred thousand dollars and then you go out there and you resell each one acre lot for or two acre lot for fifty thousand or a hundred thousand wow. dollars each because people aren't looking for that they're looking for what so you do highest and best use mm -hmm. it's called high, highest and best use for for land or for residential commercial property Okay, so what's hot here in the San Antonio area? Is, is that it? Is it taking the big pieces and breaking them into smaller ones and sell uh, them off? Oh, that's uh, right now. Is it, because we're in a transitioning market. Um, uh, we have, uh, you know, our, our inventory in the market is still under historical levels. Historic levels should be a single-family residences on the market. should be about 12,000. We're about 10,500 to 10,800 on this morning. And so we're still a little under inventory. But the hot part of this market is... Um, yeah, creative financing, seller financing deals, um, you know, where people are buying houses without the bank credit with a seller financing type of deal mm -hmm. set up. And then also out in the south part, um, south of uh, San Antonio, lots of acreage for sale. Yeah. You know, people, that that's a hot, hot one. And yeah, um, like working on a deal, $165,000 house with six acres, um, and then cutting it up into three parcels. And selling each parcel for um, in a hundred thousand, and but the middle parcel has the house, rehab the house, sell it for maybe two fifty or three, so walk out of there with um, a couple hundred thousand, maybe two fifty in your pocket, from a, a deal that cost you maybe sixty thousand dollars all in. Wow! So you invest mostly for the equity turnaround. Yeah, I I I do a forced appreciation, mm -hmm. some type of forced mm -hmm. appreciation. And what about cash flow? 
cash flow is only important when you're when you're doing something like you're buy and hold, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, the DSCR loans work really good for a property that cash flows really well because you're using the property. DSCR is debt service yeah. loan to where you're using the, the cash flow of the property to actually qualify for the loan. Mm-hmm. And usually your interest rate is a little bit higher than uh, on those deals, but you don't have as much to put out. You don't, Sometimes you don't even have to um, have a, a credit score. It depends on how much cash flow is coming in. Uh, you don't even, they don't even check your credit score, you know, mm-hmm. or your, um, your income levels. But Jay Michael, do you like cash flow? <laughs> I love cash flow. Yeah, that's, I do love cash flow. I think that's the answer we were looking for. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, I mean, a- any answer is good when it comes to cash flow. So you're talking force equity on that side, which I appreciate because getting those lump sums is great. Where are you investing for cash flow? Well, right now, um, I've set up um, different LLCs with investors that I know um, mm-hmm. that they basically put money into the LLC and I create cash with those LLCs. You know, we usually the perfect situation is where you buy a piece of property that you have to rehab. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't buy it already, already you know, up to date yeah. and stuff. And a great deal. I have a um, we just have this one for 1600 square foot um, duplex for um, got it on a $91,000 owner contract, put um, $4,000 down, have a balloon payment. So no payments for a year, absolutely no payments a year. And the note interest is 3%. Oh, wow. So we basically were turning that into uh, a cash flow deal. Um, we were debating between renting out the units or renting out the rooms, and then we'll sell it to an investor on the backside. Once once the property is rehabbed and it's mm-hmm. cash flowing, we'll sell it to an investor. Another, and I mean, that's what I'm, I'm thinking that we're going to do. We always want to have multi, multiple exit strategies when you go into a deal. Never just for one exit strategy. Because if you just have one, you're done. So you, And two is kind of is few. So you got to have three or more. Do you have the people you're working with already? Or are you always looking to bring in new people that you would work with on the real estate investing? The investors, uh, yeah. We, we, we have to have um, the deals in the pipeline. So right now... We only have enough deals for what we have right now with investors that we have right now. When we bring, when we're going to bring on a new investor, we actually have to um, start the pipeline for that amount of funding. Because if somebody gives me five million dollars, I can't just, I can't guarantee them anything right now because I don't have any deals in the pipeline for that mm-hmm. specific five million. So we actually have to have deals coming in so we can deploy that cash out. Because just sitting in the bank, it's not doing us anything. The bank's not giving us any interest. The right. investor wants money, wants a return. So it's a cart you know, is, is before the horse, right? So yeah. we, we gotta have the deals. So usually we max out about 10 to 12 um, uh, investors. We can't do any more than that. I'm not, I'm not uh, set up to do any more than 10 to 12. Is, well, is that hard to, sorry. No, you go ahead. Is that hard to structure? Um, you know, because when the deal comes through, it's like, you know, usually you got to move pretty quick. Uh-huh. So is it hard to, you know, keep both of those in balance as, as far as having the right amount of investors for the right amount of deals that are coming through? Yeah, I think that's the, that's <coughs> like the catch for all business, right? Like if you have plenty of customers, but not enough product, you have plenty of product, but not enough customers. I think that that's the dance that we play as, as entrepreneurs or business owners, right? Like VA, VAs in the Philippines, there's tons of people over there that that can work, but then in people over here that 
want it, but you're the middleman going, okay, I yep. got to get the clients to get these people, but I got these people to get the clients. I can get 50 people that need a VA, but if I don't have the VAs to take care of them, so that's probably where you come in, right, Mark? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and well, and that's where the, the middleman, uh, uh-huh. you know, you're the facilitator to some degree, w- working these deals and managing these deals and all that. There's a lot of value in that because you're making people money mm-hmm. and then you're taking your piece in there as well. Do you, um, so, uh, I, I'm curious. I mean, I have so many questions about, <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. when it comes into this, because I really don't know this area. Um, but obviously, buying big tracts of land, breaking them into smaller pieces, that's one thing, right? Because uh-huh. like, you, you talked about that. Buying a property, doing forced depreciation, and then either selling that off or renting it or buying whole, whatever that can be. What are What's something else? What's your favorite way of making money in this space right now? Ooh. My favorite? Yeah. That's like saying, what's your favorite ice cream? That's <laughs> Rocky yeah. Road. It could be right now. What's your favorite right now? Right now is yeah. uh, the creative uh, financing deals where, uh, okay, so the the seller financing deals where, where we're able to turn that seller financing deal into a wrap. So we arbitrage. Um, we get the seller financing at 3%, and then we sell it off at 9.99%. We're making seven percent or six point nine nine percent on money, and we're selling it at, at, a, at a, um, a rate that larger than what or, or for a, a price larger than what we we bought it at. So we're making interest on on money that um, you created out of thin this air. Is yeah. no, <laughs> I, I've got a, no, no. It's just becoming a ba- we're becoming the fe- uh, the federal ba- becoming the bank. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, when it comes to creative financing, because the thing with creative financing, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in order to sell or finance something, you can't have like an existing mortgage or you have to play it very delicately with that because. If you have an existing mortgage, that's a, it, it would be a wrap. If it you would be a wrap. It, you're exactly. And there's some risk in that. But to convince someone to creatively finance the deal instead of just here's the lump sum the way you would traditionally. Mm-hmm. It's a different type of relationship than just coming in and saying, I'm going to give you 10% down and finance the rest and you're going to get all of it at once. What is the process that you use to go out and and form these relationships that make creative financing an option? Uh, That's a great question. It's a dance again, because a lot of the times you're having to explain. So if the if the property, the sellers already have representation, legal representation, either a law or or an attorney or an agent broker, you're actually having most of the time, uh, because the market's been so hot for so long, you're having to train or teach, instruct the listing mm-hmm. agent all about the different terminology and and walk them through and and show them the benefits. You know, you're instead of getting ninety thousand cash right now. I can give you, you know, or a hundred thousand cash. I can give you, you know, two hundred fifty thousand dollars over the years. And most people are like, "What? Wait, what?" Right? <laughs> so um, you you're actually having to instruct them, and then the relationship it it is it's a dance, and you have to it's negotiation skills. It's basically delivering certainty that that what you're you're offering is is beneficial to them and then also because we're so creative we could do more than one type of deal we can do a straight note like if somebody wants some crazy amount for their their house like mm-hmm. okay we'll, we'll give you that that amount but um we're going to do this a straight note so no interest yeah and most people would say well why would they accept that well they want that amount some people are just stuck on price. super fixated on the on the value of the home when they're super fixated on the price <clears throat> that's what they want i i showed you one not too long ago it was like a great deal um and he said i want to pay this much for this type of property 
and I brought him a property that's $400,000 more than what he wanted to spend, but the payment was the same as the other one because of creative structuring. So he's basically, over time, gonna pay the same amount for a $900,000 property that he would pay right now for a $530,000 property because of an interest rate. Yeah. Oh, okay. So there's a lot of other things that you can negotiate on beyond price. So there's interest rate, the payment amount, what are some of the other key parts of a deal you would negotiate to overcome a price objection like that? The duration of the note, how yeah. long, you know, how the course of, you know, how long it's going to take them to get paid. Mm -hmm. Sometimes um, you can mitigate some, some people want a, a property somewhere else and you might have access to a property somewhere else. So it's kind of like part, part money, part exchange. Mm. Hmm. Um, sometimes people want a certain amount and they, you don't know how to do it. So what I love to do, I actually, that this will get me in. A lot of people are like, I want to do that. Um, if you have somebody that you, you want to develop their property, but you don't have the million dollars to put the deal together, mm -hmm. you put the deal together, and then um, you do a long, you know, elongated escrow period, and you do all your dirt work, you do all your all your um, replat and all your surveying, all your engineering before you even close on the original deal, and then you know a few days before the replat's finished, you close on the deal. And then you have, let's say that million dollars is only out of your pocket or out of your investor's pocket for a few weeks. Because as you're doing the replat, you're getting everything lined up. At the same time, you're selling the finished product, the finished plats to future buyers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then you close a deal, you're out a million bucks for a few weeks, and then they close their deals and you, you turn that million into two or that million to three. Yeah, this is the game they should be teaching people in school. Oh, yeah. Oh, Absolutely. No, there's so much Isn't opportunity it, out there. It's wild. How to make money out of thin air. Be creative. You know what well, I mean? Not printing your own money. Yeah. Not saying that. <laughs> what That's we're talking about just being creative and coming up with you know ways to earn income. And usually they're win-wins. Win oh, everybody yeah. wins in a lot of these. That's the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. You can sleep at night. Everybody's happy. You don't have to hide in the grocery store. It's a good thing. And I think people, they get excited. They'll read... Who here has read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Oh, yeah. Yep. And the quadrant. It's an amazing. It changed <laughs> which house quadrant, I bought, right? Yeah. It's it's crazy. But they see that, and a lot of people will read it. And, you know, he wrote that book however many years oh, ago, yeah. back when a down payment on a house was four to five grand instead of hmm. 20 to 30 if you're putting 20% down. And they think, oh, well, I don't have the 20% down. It's not that easy anymore. What would you say to someone who is getting into the world of real estate and they don't have the 20 to 30 grand cash at hand? Get a great mentor and then work with that mentor and they'll show you how to do it. There's so much information. I get calls all the time from investors that want like help. Mm -hmm. And oh my gosh, like how do I shut <laughs> this thing off? <laughs> and and I that they want help or they're new investors and they spend hours. I'm like, listen, you got to get somebody to work with. But they're so afraid of getting somebody to work with, and I don't know why. They, usually they're thinking that you know there's there's they they have a mentality of lack. There's not enough deals out there. Well, I think there's enough deals for everybody plus some, right? Mm -hmm. So the object is obviously get a mentor, and then like the few things. If you don't have enough money down, what do you have? Do you have cash flow? Do you have people that want to help you buy the property? Do you have maybe a, a couple partners going on, on a property together? And then, yeah, that's. It only limits your imagination and how you use that, use those connections. Yeah, so tell me about short sale. What's a short sale? Oh, short selling is um, selling short of what's owed. So that's a great thing that's, that's becoming more prevalent right now. It was huge in the, from 2005, end of 2005 into 2009, 2010. 
it's where let's say uh, most people don't know that they can actually owe more than the property's worth mm. but when the market's going back down the other way uh, you know you bought the house last august i have a deal bought last uh, lost august three hundred nine thousand. Now he bought a new house. Um, that was a brand new house, and that builder is now building those same houses and selling them for two hundred seventy-five thousand. Mm-hmm. So now he's at thirty-five thousand dollars plus. He spent nine thousand dollars in closing costs, so he's forty-five thousand dollars underwater right off the bat. So um, what you a short sale is basically where you owe more. I'm sorry, I, I went a little ahead of myself. A short sale is where you um, owe more than it's worth. So let's say you paid, you were an FHA buyer, you bought it for three hundred nine, you only put a few percent down. So you, your loan balance is 300000 and then um, you want to sell it today. Well, those same houses in that neighborhood are going for two you You're $25,000 underwater. Plus, you have the selling costs. You have the title insurance, escrow costs, commissions. You know, brokers have to pay and agents have to get paid because we have fees that are due to us, by us to the state. So we have to negotiate with the, um, with the bank to accept a short payoff and people are like, well, why would they do that? Well, it's better for them to take a short payoff now than, than to take back a property that's trashed or, mm-hmm. or maybe it, it takes them, you know, four, five, six, ten, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten months. So that's another $20,000 of payments that are, that they're underwater. So it's better for them to be proactive in um, the, the short sale process. Um, I actually started a, a company. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that um, transaction, coordinating for short sales only here in Texas. Am I allowed to say that? Okay, so wait, basically what we do is we, <laughs> we tra- if you guys say, okay, no. we, tra- no, we basically handle all the transactions for short sales, so it's free to the agents. The banks will, will actually, I know, banks will actually um, pay us for our negotiations. Uh, why would they do that? Because they know that paperwork takes a lot, and they want to get the deal. foreclosure process takes a lot. Yeah, so it's better say. for them to do that than, than what you know and then basically we're in there and it's a win we created a win-win situation for the agents for the the homeowners for the buyers or the investor buyers and um it's you know it's a great deal well that's the thing with short sales when i was an agent i had a couple people i even tried to buy a short sale once and the thing is it takes forever you are Mm. as soon as you turn in the paperwork it goes to the bottom of their pile and they work their way through at their pace so I would always tell my clients, it's going to be probably minimum six months before you close on this house. Are you okay with that? And every person that ever went under contract on a short sale with me got impatient and they bailed out um, before it got to closing because it just, it really does take forever. So having that other line of communication I could see would be a huge value add. Can you speed that process up? There are certain things that we can do to um, to alert the bank, especially if they if there's something serious that might happen. Um, but usually, it is about six months on average, five to seven months. Um, I have done some that took two years, mm. and the whole time they're not get, the homeowner's not paying. So it's in the bank's best interest to 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 take the deal as soon as possible. Right. I don't understand why they'd be dragging their feet. Is it the bank that's dragging their feet? Yeah, because we've been in, well, usually it's a servicing company. So most people don't know that the bank, that the backside bank that actually holds the note is not actually servicing the debt. It's an intermediary. And they have a specific, I had this happen on that 24-month deal. They have a specific amount of criteria that they have to check off. And I'm like, hey, you guys, you know, you're, you're, somebody's not getting it here. We've d- delivered everything. Like, no, sir, you have it. And we, we had to keep on resubmitting, resubmitting. And finally they came, like, oh, we do have everything. And it, oh. that was a seven-month 
I just imagine giant stacks of paperwork next to whoever runs short sales, and they're just like, I'll grab that, this one. That, to me, <laughs> that's not right. It's something taking that long to go through. Why is that not 30 days? Well, it's a bad business model from them. Their part too. Yeah. They're losing money. Every there's single an time. area of opportunity. Yeah, someone they, to service short sales for banks. They just need people to go in and take care of that that paperwork. Move stuff. it along. They oh should be gosh. the ones reaching out to you to move oh, the process along, not the other way. Because yeah, the faster that. it turns around, the more money they make. On, I mean, they're not making money in the first place. Yeah, most so. banks. Most people don't know that the banks are already leveraged. They, you know, we have this fractional reserve type of debt system where. You know, if they give they do a loan of three hundred thousand, they may have only had three thousand dollars in the bank in their vault to cover that three hundred thousand. The other two hundred ninety-seven thousand is covered by the Fed on the back end. So if they take a loss of anything more than three thousand on that debt, then let's say thirty thousand that wipes away ten loans uh, of of money of reserve. And if you have it, any you know anything more than three thousand is nothing. You know, mm-hmm. most and some have it's even gone negative. How do they do that? Because they are they um, they like arbitrage off an arbitrage off an arbitrage. So they they do, and it just goes negative. I don't know exactly how it works because I'm on a banking system, but it's just it's a little scary. So they don't want to take the debt back. So that's why you find banks that will hold off two, three, four, five years from taking a house back because they know the day that oh. they take that back. Actually, they'll they'll have to have to do mark to market. So if they take it back and hold it in their coffers, they can say it's worth whatever they say it's worth. Mm-hmm. Okay. If the loan balance is four hundred, but the actual value of the house is two hundred, they'll say, oh yeah, we're we're taking back a four hundred thousand dollar asset. We'll put it on our books as a four hundred thousand dollar asset. We only owe two hundred thousand. Oh good. Well, actually, it's it's um, if they sell it on the sh- uh, on the courthouse steps that day, they have to take the loss. That's why a lot of banks don't need. They're like burying their head. I don't know if you guys go to foreclosure. Have you guys gotten a foreclosure sales lately? I, the one, last one I went to, ten percent of the banks showed up. Wow! Of 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 all the foreclosures, ten percent of the trustees showed up to sell those properties. So what does that mean for the ones that didn't show up? They're just put kicking the can down the road. Another mm-hmm. month, another two months. Yeah. Wow. They're hiding. They're hiding the money. Yeah, he's just. They're hiding <laughs> the debt. Maybe or they're hiding the risk or something. Yeah, that's exactly right. They're <sighs> trying to push. And they, they, it's like a, it's like a, what's, a, uh, whatever that game is where they hide, they're just hiding things on the. Oh, paper. the shell like, game. Yeah, they're playing like, the shell I'm game. Gonna, I'm gonna put some under here. All right, Uh-oh, well, some under here. We uh, great discussion. Uh, there's so much. Uh, I mean, more that can be unpacked there, but I appreciate that. Um, so, if folks want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Um, probably Instagram is the easiest. J. Michael Jeffords. Oh. On the gram. What about that's, you, Keaton? That's great. Well, I, I wish I could say on the gram, too. <laughs> but uh, definitely our website, txsuits.com, or via our phone, 210-503-2800. Awesome. All right, as we wrap up the show, a quick reminder for our pod, uh, to catch our latest podcast and catch video version of the show anytime by visiting our website at satalkradio.com. That's going to be it for us. You guys have a great week, and we'll see you on the next one. This is fun. You, you too. Good job. Thanks for having us.